What's up, everybody, and welcome back to After Dragons. This is episode 14 of our creator interview series, and I'm joined today by Jed McKay, the writer of Marvel's Black Cat, Taskmaster, and upcoming Avengers Mech Strike. Uh, he'll also be the writer of the recently announced Magic the Gathering series coming from Boom in April. Jed, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me on. Hey, definitely. It's awesome to have you uh, have you join us here for a little bit and talk about uh, some of the characters that you're, that you're writing here currently and a little bit of the upcoming news. I've definitely been digging the Black Cat series, man, just following her chain of heists across the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Yeah, I've been kind of uh, kind of carving a path across the uh, the face of uh, Marvel Comics with that one. That is a really good way to put it. She's just sort of uh, you know taking what she needs, running into whomever it seems is in the way. <laughs> yeah, just sort of you know running game on everybody. Right. How um, uh, so? Black Cat is currently ongoing now with number four coming out at the end of March. Uh, uh, yeah, I think twenty something. And number three just released this last week, which yep. was awesome. Um, after number two left us on a little bit of a cliffhanger with uh, Black Cat having found a piece of Yggdrasil, uh, we definitely get a uh, uh, a glimpse of what's to come there in, in number three or a potential future in chaos as she's uh, uh, all powered up from Yggdrasil and you know slaying the symbiote dragons. It was an excellent issue. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're, uh, I'm, I'm really pleased with how the whole like King of Black thing came out. Uh, it was, I've said it before in other places, it was kind of, really kind of tricky to set up because I've never done a, uh, a crossover series before, a crossover story uh, as part of a main book. So um, it was it was a bit tricky, but I'm really happy with the way it came out. And, like, you know, the the art, the color art, the lettering, it all, it all just came together into like a really great package, I think. The, the planets aligned, huh? Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Did you know that this big event was going to come when the Black Cat series first started in 2019? Um, I think that there was some talk about it, but it's okay. not something I was, I was really a part of. So. Uh, so it was kind of later in the, or was it after that first 11 issue arc wrapped? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I had, I was writing Black Cat at like quite a pace around like this time last year. So as we were still kind of like going full steam ahead, uh, and we had you know a couple of different artists working on different arcs, and so I you know wanted to make sure everybody had their scripts and everybody could be working as as much as they could. So I think at that point I'd written uh, nine and ten, eleven and twelve. I wrote thirteen, and Nina was working on it. 14, 15, 16, uh, and Michael Dowling was working on those and up to one after that, and CF was working on that. Oh, uh, wow. But then, but then COVID kind of shut everything down. Right. And we had to kind of reevaluate our plans. So Black Cat went on a hiatus for a while. And when I got the call, it was coming back. So, okay, we're going to start up Black Cat again. I was like, well, you know, you wipe sweat off your brow. You're like, okay, good, dodge that <laughs> bullet. I said, but we're going to start with number one, and we're going to start with the three-part King of Black series. So basically, the stuff that we'd already been working on just kind of pushed further down the schedule. Um, hmm. Black Hat number four, which is out next month, was supposed to be Black Hat number 13. Oh, interesting. Black Hat okay. number 12 ended with like that Queen Cat kind of teaser, right? Right, right. So we're actually jumping back into the, into the ongoing here with issue yeah. four then. Okay. Yeah, issue, issue four takes us back to the, uh, the kind of big scheme that we've been setting up since issue one of 2019. Oh man, that's awesome. That's going to be great to return back to the storyline and see really where it's going as you've been giving us tidbits of information with the Black Fox and really the, the, the goal behind several of these heists come, coming together, but uh, yeah. we still haven't really seen too much of that curtain been pulled aside. Yeah, so number four is going to be it's uh, as you know as let's say it's we're going to be have the queen cat come in uh, as a character I've been wanting to find a spot for in the book to bring her in because I think it's 
think she's an interesting sort of side piece of black cat mythology that has never been addressed before hmm. since her appearance in uh, Atkins Hobgoblin. That, that also kind of served to catch people up a bit as to what's been going on prior to the, the relaunch. Right. And then uh, the next three issues with uh, Michael Dowling drawing them are going to be like the big, uh, the big payoff for that whole series, that whole uh, plot line. Oh, awesome, man. And Michael Dowling has been doing a great job and as have all the artists, man, because the Black Cat title, I will say, is one that I have told so many covers. There just seems to be... Oh, yeah just greatness on every variant cover every week <laughs> it's it's amazing like it's it's just been an embarrassment of riches with the uh, the artists and i've got to collaborate with on this book it's something about the character seems to bring out like just really exciting work in people just folks really enjoy uh expressing that that uh black cat kind of attitude or nonchalance as well as uh, uh kind of curiosity huh I, I mean i hope so I mean, I try to I try to keep it relatively interesting for artists to work with, as far as the the stories I come up with. So, right, it's been uh, we've been on a pretty hot streak so far. So, oh man, it's and it started off started off on fire with that number one black cat, June fifth, two thousand nineteen, with her just yep. kind of in the jewelry store with hands up on the on the glass. Very cool, yeah. cool cover, and just it's all downhill from there for me and my black cat collection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> recently i got the um nakayama uh black cat number one here from the the relaunch or the king in black arc oh right yeah yeah added that to the set and then i saw that there's a women's history uh black cat cover coming out s soon as well from uh, yeah, jen bartell yeah. yeah that's that was really great oh man uh there's just uh too many good ones there especially with uh uh, the King in Black, I was just saying, okay, with, maybe with number one, I'll grab two covers. And then I saw number two. I was like, oh, man. It's like the, the artists were competing against each other in number two with, a, is it Nick Dine, I think, um, that did the one with her kind of twisting through lasers? Oh, sorry, Aris Dine. I, I'm not sure. I mean, honestly, since the first one came out, I haven't been able to keep track of all the other covers. It's so much. How does that work from your perspective as the writer? Um, working with a big publisher like Marvel, uh, does much of the project go together after your script submission and and kind of go together outside of your purview? Or do you still have that kind of say on the creative process? Uh, as, as far as the process goes, like from the from the cover side, I basically have you know nothing to do with it. Uh, okay. the, editors, the editors will you know call up artists they want to be involved with and you know get them set up doing cover stuff. The arcane uh, really, ways of marketing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, as far as the actual production of the book itself goes, I will, I will get pages as they come in to the editor. We'll go over and just make sure everything's, uh, you know, everything's square. Just from the fact that maybe I didn't describe something well enough, or maybe mm. uh, I wasn't clear enough about kind of what what needs to be there, and so that could be, you know, kind of hashed out ahead of time. But I mean, most of the time, as far as the art goes. You know these artists are professionals they know what they're doing more than i do so they don't it's not like they need my input a whole lot you know once you provide the uh, the script and story for them they can really take it and run yeah yeah and, and, it's, and 90 percent of the time it comes back far better than i had imagined it writing it down so oh man i can't imagine seeing the some of the way some of these panels or some of these stories have, have come out to see kind of a story from your own your imagination kind of move through the chain of creative folks all the way out to make the comic <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's pretty exciting it's it's a nice feeling getting uh, fresh pages in your inbox i bet i bet man um how did you get your uh start with comics uh before black cat that is uh you were writing a few other titles i think in, in 2019 i saw some uh credits for i think man without fear or daughters of the dragon yeah um i started working steadily for marvel uh, you know, what going on, I guess going on three years ago, I got my first full issue in, I think, May, three years ago. Awesome. So this, I think it'd be three years in May. Uh, I was for Edge of Spider-Geddon number one. Okay. And then from there, uh, they needed someone to fill in uh, on Daughters of the Dragon. They were setting up that uh, digital first thing for um, the, all the characters of the Netflix shows. And they needed someone to kind of you know, step in 
I turned things around quickly, so I did that. And uh, Daughters was pretty well received. Uh, from there, I got Man Without Fear, and Man Without Fear. Um, got, uh, what was it, Ghost Panther, a little two-issue mini. Oh. And then, basically from there, uh, I got the call for doing Black Cat. Uh, Nick is the Spider-Man editor. Really liked Daughters. He's very taken with it. And he's like, well, we can't do another Daughters series. It's just not going to be in the cards. But we want to spin off this Black Cat series from what's going on in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. And I'd really like you to do this if we could, you know, bring that same kind of energy and uh, the same sort of, you know, excitement and bounce from Daughters of the Dragon and, you know, channel that into a Black Cat series. And so he got, you know, got Travel Form and Drought, who had drawn uh, four out of six Daughters issues. I got Farron Delgado back to letter it, who had lettered the series. So Black so Cat's... it's a little bit of a reunite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Black Cat's sort of spiritual successor was uh, that Daughters of the Dragon series. Right. Very cool to see the to see the origin there and um, and your your Marvel tenure as well here uh, before Marvel. Were you writing for any other publishers or independent writing? Uh, kind of like <laughs> my I've, I've been working pretty steadily for, like I said, going on three years. But my first Marvel work was uh, just over 10 years ago now. Oh, OK. Um, I, I did uh, like an anthology short back in 2010 it came out 2011 and awesome. uh, which i was like oh this is great i did some that was and that was my first like paid published uh, writing work and I said, well maybe i can parlay this into something you know some more work and then just basically didn't hear anything for uh for four more years it was a it was back to the status quo for a little while huh? yeah yeah <laughs> so then you know i went I, I, I was like okay well that was fun but i guess i don't have a career in writing or whatever so i went you know went back to teaching and whatever and, and much different uh beat of the drum here today now huh? yeah for sure <laughs> so then, then i did like another eight page anthology and then i was like okay well this this is going to be my foot in the door and then you know nothing for another four years and then uh, edge of spider again number one came about and then that one finally uh finally kicked over to going pro full time that's awesome no it's been really cool to see it to see it unfolding and and with the recent news as well from boom um, yeah man magic the gathering around the corner coming in april maybe if we tangent a little bit away from from marvel to talk about that news uh sure. and congrats on that upcoming project uh, that's going to be really awesome to read as a as a magic the gathering fan i've fallen in and out of the card game probably 20 times in the last 15 years <laughs> and, yeah uh, yeah it's just been a it's been a constant in my life. I feel magic. It's always there in the game shops and available to play. <laughs> yeah, it's just really exciting. I was really into magic um, when I was you know a teenager. I think I started in uh, with Ice Age. Oh, nice. Uh, I was probably in like seventh grade or something. So it was like what ninety six something like that. And was that you know was very into it for a few years. Eventually, until I went to university and just kind of dropped out of it. I would have started a few years after in seventh edition. That was like really, I really got started in the kind of 2001. Yeah, yeah. Cause we got, we, we started off at, around the time fourth edition and Ice Age were out. Okay. Friends, friends and I were into it. And Sweet. I think, I think I dropped out around Prophecy, I think was the last set that I played. And they, and they are churning out, man. They're so, there's, ongoing magic and recently i even saw news about expanding the magic universe out to some warhammer 40k and godzilla and kind of other uh, ips yeah even. yeah they're doing a lot of that kind of uh like promo crossover stuff the, the kind of godzilla set out in the last summer but some before last I don't remember. right yeah the um the the magic project man uh was that one that you were already aware of or was it a, a something that came your way here after some of the success of Black Cat and Taskmaster. It was I got I got an email just sort of out of the blue about Magic uh, by the editors said we're doing this Magic series together, and they said that they'd actually read the, the short stories I've been putting on my blog, or I had been putting on my blog. I was um, I had a, a writing club I was a part of where every month we would meet and we'd you know read and review the stuff that we'd written over the the month, and so as part of that. I had to complete a, a short story every month ah. and which was you know probably one of the best things i've ever done for my writing because i learned to 
uh, work on a deadline. Like every month, by the time that meeting came around, I had to have a completed story, or else, I mean, or else nothing. I would just sort of, I, I wouldn't forgive myself <laughs> if I if I turned up with an incomplete story. Um, and so, I, you know, that really trained my brain to uh, think about you know monthly stories, come up with a full and complete story every month. And starting because to be could, creative with a uh, with time as a as a constraint there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean. The thing with writing, especially when you're not being paid to do it, is that it's very easy to talk about writing. Uh, it's a lot harder to actually complete something. Sitting down and putting the words on the page, all following yeah. through fruition, the rough drafts, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, there's there's a period of time when uh, probably uh, eight or nine years ago, I was in in school getting my bachelor of education, and I thought we we're studying uh, young adult literature. And I was like, well, you know what? This is this stuff's pretty. It's not you know super crazy, sophisticated or anything. Uh, I bet I could write one of these. And so I got it in my head. I started talking about it. Like, oh, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write a novel. And I just talked about it for years. So I didn't actually do it. And then eventually, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen for a while I was like, oh, you remember last time I saw you? Or you were talking about writing this novel. How that? How's that going? And I was like, mm. I actually haven't written anything yet. And that kind of like made it real in my head. I'm like, wow, I can just talk about this all I want but right. if I don't actually sit down and write this thing and complete it then it's not doing anybody any good so really turning to the to the work and and getting it done huh and how yeah. how long uh short stories were you writing on a monthly basis a few, th <sighs> a few thousand from, words or multiple chapters uh, anywhere from two to ten thousand words usually oh cool no that's Maybe a not. that is definitely a challenge man yeah. So, anyways, I would I would take those stories and you know put them on. Uh, I had like a WordPress blog. I see. And it was was linked to my Twitter. So when the uh, the boom editors came, they said, "Oh, I read this story that you had in your blog, <laughs> and it's it's got the kind of fantasy style that we're looking for for this magic project. Oh. Uh, would you be interested in doing it?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah absolutely." Dude, awesome. So it was really some of those prompts, even while you were while you were learning or kind of honing your craft, some of those even still catching eyes yeah. and getting attention very cool yeah exactly it's like a kind of a, a bit of a shoddy portfolio there on a wordpress <laughs> no that's the way to do it i've got uh, uh some short stories floating around somewhere like that too i need to find them and breathe some life there <laughs> so you yeah. started writing with prose then a little bit more um with the novel in mind how was it to distill things down from the novel to the comic medium where it's um so much more the artist doing the description rather than the the sweeping prose, right? Yeah, it was it was a bit of a change. Um, I'd written comics, like I, I was making comics since I was like 20, 21, something like that. And you know, I'm 37 now. But uh, when I was kind of, it, all of my attempts to kind of like get into comics or make comics work, never really worked. So I was like, well, I'll just focus on prose and something I could do, you know, by myself. I see. Um, so when it came time to be doing comics at a, a much greater volume than I was used to, like work, working for Marvel, uh, it was kind of a learning curve. Uh, I look back to the first full issue I did. I'm just like, oof, there's so <laughs> many words here that don't need to be here. Like it's just word balloon mm. city. Interesting. So the, the, the real estate, right, is so much more valuable there for your script and for kind of what you'd want to to use in the story that you're starting to look at that resource a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. And also just like the simple matter of how many panels you put on a page. It's not something I'd ever considered before as a comics reader. Right. But I've as seen a, a writer, you have to be very conscious oh, of how much room you're giving the artist to do their thing. And uh, it's like I would write panels with pages of like, 11 panels or something and my editor would be like what are you like what are you doing are you trying to get this artist to quit we were like, gonna oh, give him a give him an anxiety attack trying to fit all of this detail into these tiny panels huh yeah yeah so I, mean, I think part of it is i was thinking of like you know david aja and, and hawkeye where he's just got like all those tiny little panels here and there right that's not how, that's not how everybody works right and certain stories need the they need the space to breathe and uh, artists need that that bandwidth to work, huh? I've seen kind of yeah, a sweet but... spot or a recommendation of five to seven panels per page. Do you find that that's a rough average yeah. for you, or do you base that on the scene and the everything else going on? And it, it all depends on the the needs of the story, but I see. Gen generally, 
I don't go above five panels unless I've got a good reason to. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, in that, five, five would one of those reasons be that you'd slow, it would slow the pacing then to add additional panels or it would give you just that additional direction or kind of angle on that page? I mean, it, it depends what it needs. Like, um, for instance, Taskmaster 4 that's coming out has a 16 panel fight page. That's, oh. that's purely to create like this really frenzied, frantic image of the fight. Right. Um, I can see it. I can visualize it already just with all the yeah. different, the moves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's like, that's straight up fighting. There's no dialogue there. I don't think there's even any sound effects there. It's just there to like to show this constant, uh, you know, chaotic, uh, you know, fight. Exchange of blows. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, it's five is just generally what I stick to. If I can get, if I can keep it down to like, you know, two or three for more dramatic moments hmm. or uh, try to get a splash in here and there because, you know, they're exciting. People like them. Right. And I definitely do. <laughs> and if you're trying to hype your book, having a splash to put out there on Twitter is always pretty handy spotlight for the artist's work. Ah, interesting. So it's even some of that can come into the marketing side just to have something awesome to show for the artist and the, and the color and everyone. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you know, the artist's, the artists are turning in such good work. You, you want to give them something exciting to draw. You know, like it's try to avoid page after page of talking heads if you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to bore them with uh, um, a job interview in, in comic form. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now the uh, it's it's interesting to see that um, that transition then from you know designing the story and out to the final product. When you're planning out these scripts for larger publishers with ads within the book. Do you know where those ads fall for your page turns, or is that something the editor works into the script um, for you? Oh, that's something that would come into production. Like if I have something where I, was, I would say, oh, this has to be a page turn. Hmm. And then the ads will be placed accordingly. Oh, interesting. Uh, uh, but yeah, generally they just kind of get put, I, I think it's probably the editor or assistant editor's uh, judgment of where the ads are just going to be placed otherwise. Cool. Yeah, I didn't know that if that was a kind of collab process. I just know that in some of the script writing, it's, you know, people very, very much pay attention to their, their page turns to kind of see what's, what's going to happen and things like that. And with the bigger publishers, uh, Marvel's better about it. Uh, DC, I will say, drops a Snickers ad at the worst times. Um, <laughs> but Marvel uh, is um, uh, more discreet, I think. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's probably a lot of it comes down and then I think that's a, a real kind of gift of judgment for an editor to have is to figure out where these ads are going to go in order to be as uh, to disrupt the story as little as possible. Right. To still get the, the marketing element and the, and the comic book vibe, but not disrupt your work in the, in the flow. Huh? Yeah. It's always funny because it's, it's not something I find ever really bothers me. Uh, like I'm, I grew up reading 70s comics, which is like packed with ads of weird, goofy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I like skip over the ads and like go right back to the comic. Right. Just keep flipping past this. The sneakers ad only, only got me once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, no, that's, uh, that's definitely it's, the, go ahead. It's not as bad as like the, um, the half page ads they used to run. Um, uh, we used to do those a lot in like the 80s, the late 80s. So they would yeah, actually have comic panels on half the page as well, the story. Yeah, like three quarters of the page, and then like the bot of like two facing pages would have like a, a quarter page bottom ad or something. It was really strange and distracting. That's a little more intrusive, but it's yeah. if it sells the toys, then I think it would have appeased the '80s marketing. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it's all about, <laughs> right? No, it's a and and speaking of toys, though, the cards alongside Magic the Gathering, um, are we in for any kind of uh, card support or? potential Magic the Gathering goodies alongside that title releasing in April? Um, nothing that I'm officially aware of. I know that they are selling like polybagged copies of issue number one that I think have Planeswalker cards. In Ooh, them. awesome. I don't, awesome. Know if they're, I don't know if they're exclusive to the, the book or not. Um, hmm. it's, it's, yeah, that's something that's like basically totally outside of my wheelhouse. I'm just thinking of a an ad that a comic store tagged me in on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know that they're doing some variants on, they're doing something kind of that resembles the cards themselves by having a blind um, 
kind of like a blind variant, it seems, for the, the Planeswalker art. It's kind right, of like right. pulling your booster. I've, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've actually created writing prompts off of Magic the Gathering boosters before by kind of opening them and looking through just the card art and sort of choosing right. a few and arranging them in uh, sort of a way, being like, okay, we got dinosaurs and pirates. Like, what's going to go on here? Trying to just... Uh, you know, drum up an interesting story before. And so that's, you definitely I mean, hit, go ahead. That's that's really useful uh, as a tool though. Like going back to when I was doing our writing club, we would come up with like random prompts for stuff like that. Uh, like hmm. we, were, we did a couple of times we were pulling tarot cards and matching them to like uh, the hero's journey. Ooh. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I came up, came up with some pretty good stories off that. <laughs> some of the, uh, the randomness there of, of the tarot deck, just forcing your stories in one direction or the other, huh? Yeah, I think it's just like I think it's just like the major arcana, and it wasn't like the official meanings or whatever. It's just like whatever you could get from you know, this. Oh, just pull from the from the the picture prompt, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, do picture prompts like, yeah. were always my favorite there in the writing classes. Yeah, it's it's always a lot of fun. You you can go in directions you don't usually expect, or uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, normally be closed off to you. Yeah, it always felt like um almost like a challenge to try to take the picture then and write a story that just nobody would ever think of looking at that picture. Just hone in on one little detail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's very cool. So your writing club, uh, was that something that you ran for a while or something that you stumbled on and, um, and joined up with um, a few years back? I uh, was just uh, some friends. One of my friends I went to school with here, um, she and a couple of people she knew uh, who were writing just wanted to get it together and try it out. Sweet. Just get some was, practice and, um, and some deadline structure around that, huh? Yeah, I was actually initially kind of skeptical, but um, it turned out to be, like I said, one of the probably one of the best influences on my writing in uh, in ages. Just as far as getting stuff out there, in the course of a year, I wrote a course of like maybe about a year and a half. I wrote basically a novel's worth of short stories. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's. And were those disconnected stories kind of in their own worlds, worlds then, fantasy, sci-fi, or kind of connect, yeah, loosely was, connected? I was, well, some, some were, some weren't. I wrote a, a series of kind of sword and sorcery uh, fantasy stories, which were um, very helpful to me. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. There were awesome. like, I think it was what, 60, 70,000 words of them by the end of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. You have to... Uh, revive those here get them get them uh, compiled here someday huh yeah it's always kind of in the back of my mind i was like oh i may just make like uh like an ebook or something and yeah there were stories i really liked the uh so there's some anthologies like that where um there's not there's just a very loose theme across the short stories right but it's just a big collection of those sort of um, right short stories i think what you can do in the short story medium is very similar to probably to comics more so than the novel uh, just with the the kind of space you're working with, right? You got to fit all that structure into just a a chapter. Or so, yeah, and that, also that sense of serialized storytelling. Uh the kind of ep uh, a little more episodic or um, yeah, exactly con continuous there. It seems like you have to find the right line of filling in your reader on what they need to know versus respecting maybe the reader who had read the last ten issues, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you want to you want to make sure everyone has everything they need in order to enjoy the issue or episode, specifically issue. But right. you also don't want to bore the people who have been there from the get-go, you know? Right. Have them read the origin story again and again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, we, we, we get it. We know. <laughs> and um, uh, back to the, the magic side, uh, that script, is that a, uh, a story that um, were, were pieces given to you as a prompt then to use for this story or was the story kind of designed or is this kind of all on your on your own research or um, digging into Zendikar and kind of the Magic the Gathering universe? Well, it's, I mean, there were, there were some provisos given that they're, you know, it's a licensed property. So Wizards of the Coast is going to want certain I see. From, uh, from Magic story. So there are, you know, some areas that, they don't want you to go to, like for instance, so it's told, uh, don't make up a new, don't make up new planeswalkers right now, or like don't don't make up new planes. Like there's plenty of the stuff that's already here in the toy box. Use that stuff instead. Right. Interesting. Um, we started off. Uh, we started off kind of like centered on Ravnica because Ravnica is kind of the biggest deal for uh, the Magic world 
at this point in time with, uh, you know, with all the planeswalkers hanging out there. And yeah, from there, basically, as long as the stuff doesn't contradict any of the, the major laws set out in the lore, kind of just have free reign to, to go out and explore. Sandbox style. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, my, my heart uh, lies with like the old 90s stuff. So I'm always trying to see where I can slip in that slip in nods of that. Nice. So that. Some of your favorite cards maybe have shown up along the way. Uh, I mean, not specifically the cards, but I'm always always looking for places where I can have you know nods to you know, the, the good old days of the 90s. I see. Nice, nice bringing that that vibe into the comics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a unique a unique or a, a nostalgic flavor there of the 90s for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's I've I've been catching up since I took the job uh, last year on uh, you know the the later. 20 some years of uh story continuity that i missed so i think i'm in a pretty good state pretty good spot so far is there a central place to read lore for magic the gathering that you found or have you been having to pull that from various places or maybe wizards provided you a a tome <laughs> uh kind of here and there uh wizards had like um uh branding manuals basically for mm. you know, life license stuff like kind of like a primer on the universe or yeah, like saying here's here's these characters that you can use. Here's these planes. Here's kind of like some of the hard and fast rules. Oh, um, cool. I've also spent a lot of time on the uh, mtg.fandom wiki because uh, in my time in Marvel, I've found that one of the best resources for continuity stuff is just you know fan built wikis because they've just, compiled so much, so many a, mediums into the one wiki, huh? Yeah, exactly. Like it's they've when you have the fans all working together as a huge mass to kind of like get all this information together, it's really helpful. Right. Uh, so if you yeah. need to read about a certain plane or planeswalker, you can get thirty years of the of yeah. the lore tidbits there along the way without diving into the cards or who knows what else. Yeah, it's and it's all hyperlinked to the other things that uh, impact it. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I've been collecting the. Um, the Art of Magic the Gathering books, the big uh, hardcover art books, which are a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I'm full of inspiration there. Huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> uh, I just, I wish they were still making them. Yeah, there's, uh, do you think that they're, that that's something that can be revived or brought back here? How long ago I was mean, the series releasing for those? I think it's a couple of years ago they stopped. Hmm. But uh, I love the yeah. art from those cards. That's definitely something I'd be interested in. Yeah, yeah, I've got the Ixalan one, the Innistrad one, uh, Dominaria, Ravnica, and Amonkhet. Oh, but, wow. Uh, yeah, I was really hoping for like, you know, Eldraine or uh, Theros or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be so cool. That's still a lot to tread for them as far as just making some of that art more, uh, more available and could, you know, allow folks to continue appreciating it. It's kind of got, it's got a life of its own now, some of that, those cards and artwork. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, I mean, I'd love to see the series come back, but again, that's that's so far out of my uh, influence <laughs> that I couldn't couldn't speak to it one way or another. Yeah, we're just uh, waiting and and seeing what happens on that front. When it comes yeah. to the series that you do have some say in, are we in for a mini series or something more of an ongoing? Uh, it's an ongoing. Uh, awesome. I've got. I mean, the first first five are already written. Um, just uh, hey. just running the arcs through uh wizards to see get their approval oh cool take it out for there so yeah i know we're we're in it for basically as long as we can go dude that's awesome going for the long haul <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think they like boom really wants this to be a uh like a mainline kind of flagship property and definitely they've done great work for power rangers over the last few years and really bringing that property um into the light and you know pumping some resources into that getting some awesome creators involved and, uh, you know, making sure to keep churning out titles there as yeah. Yeah. So collecting um, mighty morphin here recently as the Inyuk Lee has been doing all those covers. It's just been crazy good. Yeah. And so it's kind of, I think that's what they want to do with magic where we've got our kind of main title, but then from that you can spin off other stuff and hopefully develop into like a whole, kind of magic universe oh man yeah that would, that would be sweet i could definitely see it having enough to uh, uh to explore for years with all of that background and potential oh, character yeah. angles <laughs> I mean, like the, the 
the, the stuff is there. It's just a matter of you got to get people excited about it. You got to get people buying the book. Tapping into it and kind of lighting that fire. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's what, that's what we're doing. And we're hoping, hoping people like what we're coming up with. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited about it. I think we're, we're starting very small, localized, and branching out bigger and bigger as we go on here. Cool. Yeah, I think it's going to get it's going to catch a lot of attention as it it definitely already has. I mean, for folks like me who've I've reading comics weekly, maybe not playing Magic the Gathering as much as I used to, but as soon as I saw the title, you know, it was like, oh man, this is going on the pull. That's awesome. You know, just start start reading about it more. It's a uh, it's kind of a given seeing some of those crossovers or some of the, in some of the IPs that I used to be more into mm-hmm. or that I've spent time on that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Like it's in. Like if, if I knew nothing about magic, I probably wouldn't have taken the job because it's just, it wouldn't have been my thing, but like having such affection for it. Right. After having a, prop, <laughs> a property that I've got, like, you know, I have so much, so many fond memories of that. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun to, to get into and, you know, play in that playground. Right. Right. It's kind of the ultimate writing prompt there being like, okay, instead of a picture, here's the entire Magic the Gathering universe. <laughs> Go. Yeah, a bit, bit, bit too much of a writing prompt. You know, I got that. They're like, yeah, okay, well, you have the job. I'm like, great. And I kind of sat down, like, what the hell am I going to, like, how am I going to, what am I going to narrow down for this first story? <laughs> yeah, I bet, man. So there's probably a lot of ideas hit the wall there, huh? Yeah, like there were, there were the pitch went through a few revisions. Like my first one I turned in uh, just didn't work for them. So, you know, but went back to the drawing board for that and then came back with uh, another kind of stab at, a take uh, on it to do yeah exactly and that was a lot a lot better received um like i mean the, the first one i basically i created a new plan They're like no you can't you can't do that <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> sorry you're uh you've made your mark early <laughs> too early as it turned out that's funny when you're when you're boiling down these ideas jed do you start with more of a um a, a prose format and working down your ideas or is it kind of a bulleted list of notes before it becomes a script or just kind of free free form typing as you as you brainstorm uh it's, it's a bit of both it starts out there's a lot of bullets i basically sit down with either uh you know a notebook and a, and a pen or i get on my, my google docs or whatever i'm using for notes at the time and just kind of start depending on how uh, how tight the idea is like usually if I'm proposing five issues, the first issue will be, you know, very well laid out. And then it gets looser and looser as it goes on because I find I see. that a lot changes for me between the outline and getting it on the page. Um, in my outline, maybe I'm, I'm like, oh, I can't really figure this out, but I know the direction I'm going in. And when I start putting it into the script, then I'm like, okay, well, now I know here's some a new idea or a new direction, or like a new twist to put on this that I think makes it much more interesting. Right, so where you, you don't earlier, want to kind of put yourself into a trench or kind of into a one path if you already define your five issue arc right from the beginning, huh? Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is too, like I've been moving away from strict outlining that the strict outline I did previously, like used to be I would write an outline for an issue or I'd have, I'd write numbers one to 20 down a piece of paper or down a Google doc and say, what's going to happen on each page. Hmm. I've been finding that less and less useful as time goes on. Ah, so it was good maybe to help with the story structure in the beginning, but now is there is 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 it more creative for you to let the story kind of speak for itself rather than try to it is define those trappings? I think part of it is just the that sort of like neuroplasticity of molding your brain into a thing that thinks in scripts things in, in terms of pages where before i would have to be very scrupulous about my page outlining but now that those sort of neural pathways have been you know created and trod upon uh, it's a lot easier to just kind of go straight from brain to the page i see the story can uh can become a script quicker without that sort of forced uh structure around it yeah and cool. it's, it's find it more efficient because it's it's easier for me to think of how something's going to work on a page while I'm writing the script than when I'm doing it uh, in an outline. Oh, so kind of as you're really directing in quotes that kind of story in your mind, it's easier to decide that you're paneling at that yeah, kind of exactly. just in time almost. There's a some programming methodology there um, where 
just-in-time compilers basically take the code only when it's needed and run that and decide kind of what to do. It's similar to that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the idea where, because it's, it's very difficult for me to think like how many pages is this conversation going to take if I'm just writing it as an outline. Like, and you haven't really it. seen the conversation. Yeah, I haven't seen how it's going to flow. I don't know how many balloons I'm going to put in each panel hmm. or how I'm going to have people's reaction shots to it or uh, what interesting thing I can have for the artist to draw instead of just these people talking while still putting these balloons over it. Right. Um, so generally I'm, I'm going straight to script with looser outlines. What that does mean that I often go back and cut a bunch of pages and redo do a lot more editing. Oh, oh. so your, your revision is, is needed then in that case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like the, the revision is a lot more um, crucial in the you know this kind of like latter day method of writing uh but i think in the end of the day it just tends to be more interesting hmm uh, the stories at least on my end right right i think it definitely gives the story time to to sort of breathe and become its own thing instead of this this thing that you've tamed down into the outline right you can maybe speak to you a little bit or you never know when you're writing sometimes characters can surprise you a little bit yeah, for sure. <laughs> or a lot, I imagine, with some uh, some funny characters like Black Cat and Taskmaster. Well, yeah, I mean, like it's, <laughs> once once you spend enough time working with characters, or like working with characters that you uh, I don't know if identify or relate to is the word, but some characters who you have a fully formed image of what of who they are. Right. A lot of it is just kind of like winding them up and then setting them loose because if you're if you know the character well enough or your interpretation of that character then it's almost like you're kind of like running a simulation in your brain of like <laughs> what this character would do. Speculatively following them through the uh, whatever scenario or stage you've set, huh? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Which is, which is why I can make some characters a lot easier to write than others. Interesting, right. If you don't, um, if you don't really know that character or if they don't have the, the detail there to kind of know how they'd make those decisions or how they'd act, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or like, you know, just characters that you don't, you have a harder time relating to or identifying with uh, uh, things, uh, the things that they find important. Right. So being able to relate on some of the value level or some of the, um, the initiative. <laughs> Hopefully you're not doing a string of heists across Canada here just yet. Uh, but uh, I mean, there, there's worse, there's worse things I can spend my time doing. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of, there's a lot of valuable things there, I believe. I've yeah, uh, spent a good deal of time in Canada working for uh, some some clients here with a day job okay. in, the, in the winters of uh, of Canada for sure. Never been up there in July. Uh, yeah, I mean, winter is not exactly Canada's best uh, season. But... <laughs> right, right. No, it's um, it's great to see how many titles you got kicking, man. There's one more I wanted to discuss with you, and that would be Avengers Mech Strike with number one coming out next week. Uh, actually dude. number one is already out number oh uh, next week uh number two yes um dude avengers and mechs man how did this idea shake out because i see the toys and the potential gundam-esque vibes and all that 90s mech goodness crossing over here yeah that, that was one that kind of it came to me um you know ready to roll basically um i was emailed they said we're doing this thing uh it's called Avengers Next Strike uh it's gonna be Avengers they've got mechs here's their design oh uh, sweet what, what like what can you do with this I'm like oh yeah absolutely so the, take it and run huh yeah these Avengers were there the suit designs were there uh, I had to basically figure out why the Avengers you know the earth's heaviest hitters need of all things robot suits right and, uh, <laughs> like, what, what like these are you know Avengers and people save the world on the reg uh, why, do, what, what could be so gnarly that they need, you know, something more, more than spandex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More than what they already have. So that was, uh, that was an interesting challenge coming up with kind of, you know, the justification for these suits and like the, the threat on a, on a level that not, I don't usually work at, uh, like, you know, more of a Black cosmic Hat. scale. Yeah, exactly. You know, Black Hat and Taskmaster, they're not people who are like dealing with things that will end the world usually right right definitely a more smaller or a street level arena for both of their um their purviews yeah, exactly. huh? 
and that so you know I, I it's so it's been really interesting because you know I'd never written a team book before I uh, never worked at that kind of scale um, most of these characters I'd never worked with before so uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun it's been all it's all been written out for a while and, oh nice uh, so it's kind of been waiting a little bit to see this project uh, spin out to the shelves yeah yeah I mean like you work there, there's there's a much longer sort of concept or script to product pipeline than uh, a lot of people imagine when it comes to comic books. So versus just the creative pipeline of a writer versus uh, compared to the the marketing and the product yeah, moving yeah. For, of the publisher, huh? Yeah. So so it's it's the first first issue's been out for you know almost a month. I'm excited for the second one to come out because I think that's really gonna you know, the first issue of anything is a lot of setup. You know, you're, you're setting up your pins and then the next four issues are going to be knocking down pin after pin. Right. I start, start the scenario. No, man, uh, really liking the, the art and the style from that so far. Seeing some of the, the covers in particular have a really strong kind of Gundam, Gundam looking yeah. vibe crossed over with Marvel. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, the monsters that uh, Carlos Menyo has been coming out with are uh, just great. I love them. He's doing some work, huh? And uh, Oh, yeah. He's, he's doing some heavy lifting in that book. That's awesome. Uh, when you do your descriptions for uh, things like that or for scenes or settings, do you do that by the page or do you really do you add a little uh, snippet for every panel then, kind of what you would imagine there and then let the artist run with that? Uh, I mean, I write, I use the... Um, uh, a scripting template from Microsoft Word uh, that uh, Fred Benlente put up on his website, which uh, has been endlessly helpful for me. I cool. used to be able to just kind of like brute force it uh, in a Word document, and it just like looked like shit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right. but yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's basically page one, panel one. Here's what's happening. Then speaker one, speaker two, speaker three, whatever. There's a way to lay it out very uh, concise there. Yeah, I really like yeah, Van Lente's yeah. Ivar, Ivar Time Walker. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I use, I, I use that. Um, I don't, I, I'm not super duper detailed with a lot of panels. Like you look at like an Alan Moore script where uh, he writes a panel description that would take up an entire page. Paragraphs for every panel. Yeah, and you know, it's, He's, a, he's an obvious genius, so it's, it's, <laughs> no one's going to comment on that. But it's just not really how I work. I see, um, right. Part, part of it is, like I said before, you know, these artists generally know better than I do. Uh, I'm not going to tell them how to, to draw the panel any more than what is required or to, to make have the story make sense, you know? Right, that way they can really do their thing and, and find yeah, that, yeah. that spark to that creative passion there in the title. Yeah, unless there's like some really formalist elements that we're working with on a page. Um, that kind of need to be, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like um, Black Cat number two, you know, we had the, the panels were separated by kind of the, the symbiote goo. So it's kind of like a politic or Felicia's like crawling through or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, but, but again, formalism isn't something that um, I have a, a ton of aptitude for. So it's it's something I'm interested in and like to explore further, but it's a necessary evil sometimes, huh? Well, I mean, it's, I think there's a lot you can do with it, but uh, it's just not something that uh, I'm as conscious of as that perhaps I should be. I but see. At the same time, uh, I generally just like to give the artist as much kind of latitude as possible, while still giving them enough to work with, so they're not like scrambling trying to figure out how the hell they can make all this work. <laughs> right, right. Giving them some super complex. Yeah, complex perspective switching kind of page or some crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I try to give I try to give artists what they need, but not more than they want. You know. Right. And it's fine about finding that that fine line, huh? Yeah, it's a balance. Great, man. Well, uh, are there any other projects in the pipeline that um, uh, uh, that uh, we haven't mentioned here today? Um, nothing that I can talk about. I've got, okay. Uh, couple series i've been working on for marvel one of which should be announced this month Ooh, okay cool, uh, cool. Which, I'm, which i'm really looking forward to it's, uh, it's a character i'm really excited about and, nice uh, i think i think it's gonna be good i hope people like it yeah looking forward to see that announcement coming around so it's 
interesting to see the the rogues gallery that you're taking the helm of here on the marvel side <laughs> yeah it um let's see when will that be announced this month yes at some point this month i think I'm not awesome really sure. hey uh, looking, so yeah, I'm looking we'll, forward to that. i'll be waiting <laughs> uh, but yeah other than that no just got black hat keeps on going uh, yeah man past masters finishing up this month uh, next strike still going magic starting up next month so we're we're keeping it pretty busy over here constant titles yeah it's a good three or four for every month for the next few months huh yeah oh yeah we've got the um, king black spider-man number one comes out this month too oh sweet okay nice man oh, well nice. i i really appreciate you one shot okay uh so it's just a looking at spider-man's experience here during kib that's good. Uh, I feel like some of these vignettes were needed as the whole world was <laughs> the whole world was affected, right? It, none of the lines could have continued without knowing some of what was going on. Yeah, you, know? you got you, you got to address uh, an, an episode of such cosmic uh, importance. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and especially for Spider-Man, is we'll see how he takes it. Looking forward to seeing that. Uh, not well. <laughs> it's a uh, foreshadowing from the. Uh, from the writer himself <laughs> awesome man well where can folks find you online here uh my main source of kind of social media the outside world is on twitter so i can be found okay. at twitter.com slash jed mckay j-e-d-m-a-c-k-a-y hey folks join the conversation on twitter and get some of these excellent books on your poll list with black hat number four coming the end of march taskmaster number five and a reprint of number three with a very sweet Gian Giordano cover coming uh, mid-March, Avengers Mech Strike ongoing, as mentioned, and Magic the Gathering coming the beginning of April. As always, you can find uh, more news, reviews, and interviews on afterdragons.com, and you can find me on Twitter at afterdragons underscore. Thank you.